if you don't like your position in life, you can control that. You can make the change. The choice is yours. You can break the cycle. You can go after what you want. You are in the driver's seat. You got to take the initiative. Make sure that throughout your journey, you show the gratitude along the way. Just, just love what you do. <laughs> You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Connie Mangiavinos races the driver's seat today. She is the founder of the Girls Behind the Gun social pages. The pages feature female painters in the automotive industry. She is a full-time painter and shop manager at a classic restoration shop in Jensen Beach, Florida. I am proud to call both her and Madison my friends. She is a badass painter that never stops looking for ways to improve herself and help others along the way. She is an amazing mentor and just an all-around good person. Her journey is one of heartbreak and triumph. Enjoy the show, Femcanics. Welcome to the show, Femcanics. This is Jamie B, and I have in the driver's seat Connie Mangiavinos. I have to say it with some, some Greek in there, man. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you so much, Jamie, for having me. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. I, uh, this is something I've been looking forward to. You and I met at the WIND conference, and you, me, and Madison piled around, and we shared on the last uh, the podcast with uh, Madison some... Yeah, yeah, that was fortunate or unfortunate events, but regardless, a memory. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was awesome. You actually reached out to me what, like a day, two days before the conference, and then we, yeah, and then we ended up bumping into each other. Yeah, literally (laughs) in, literally in the elevator. Yes, in the (laughs) elevator. Correct. I was like, wait, yeah, it was awesome. (laughs) Just, just fate would have it. (laughs) It was meant to be. Yes. So let's jump in here. And it's kind of, we're going to go through kind of like a chronological order here. And we want to get to know who Connie is a little bit. A bunch of us already know that you are the owner and started Girls Behind the Gun, which is a huge success. We're going to get down and dirty and get a little intimate here and get to know Connie a little bit. So why don't we start in the humble beginnings and we'll kind of work our way through. Oh, well, I mean, my career started like right after high school. I had just turned 19 and I was just working. Actually, let me back up a little bit before. Growing up, it was just my dad. You know, my mom did what she could from afar and I had six sisters and my dad was raising us five. Yeah. All, no, all, all six of us. Yeah. I wasn't raised around cars. My dad was working uh, in the military and then retired and worked for the military. And so he was always working. And my sisters and I, we were really just running the streets and doing whatever the hell we wanted to do. Getting wrapped up in the cycle with the area that I was raised, you know, I wasn't having a bright future. Just sat there. I was like, well, I want to do something with my life. I want to break the cycle and I want to do something. So Let's I decided- talk a little bit about the cycle. Let's not just kind of bring people along because I think... I believe you have a very relatable story and it's an amazing story. And and it is kind of unique because your dad was like a single dad then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially he was, I mean, um, and there were six of you. Yeah. And I'm the second youngest, the second youngest, how many boys, girl, no, no, they're all girls. And there is one boy right after me, but that was an open adoption. So he, he didn't grow up with us, but we knew who he was throughout our childhood and everything and still to this day. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was just my dad raising us and one thing led to another because he's always working and we're running the streets. There was concerned, you know, neighbors, they have all the right to be. I can't thank them enough for looking out for our well-being. and soul services got called and we got taken away, went to foster care and my dad fought like hell to get us back home. And then we did, and which was amazing. And that right there, that whole situation of being in foster care and being in, being separated from my sisters, like all, all of us got split up. And then uh, oh, eventually wow. we start, eventually we all started to get back with, uh, right towards the end, like my, like my three, three younger ones. So us three, we ended up getting back together in the same foster home 
from being spread out. And then court came, my dad won his back. So that was the happy. How, one how the happy were you in my, foster care? Uh, well, my, my sis, myself and my two sisters. Uh, so the, the youngest three, we were in for about a year, a little over a year. So we weren't in for long, but you know, it's still child. I think I was about eight, about eight, nine years old. That's young. So, yeah. I mean, you, you get home Third from school. Grade. Yeah. And you know, Eight. I don't want to go too, I don't want to go too much into detail, but you know, we got off the school bus. We're supposed to go to another close family member's house and we decided to go home and that's how they were able to scoop us up. And um, But when they did, took us down there, got split up, got back together. Dad won us back and which was amazing. My other, other two sisters, they ended up staying a little bit more in the cycle because of their behavior and they group home stuff, but they're, they're who they are and more I'm, I'm proud of them. They're great mothers. They're in that cycle of the system and everything for a little bit. And it was just something that I wanted to, wanted to give back. And after getting back home and realizing, you know, I don't want to be in that cycle. I don't want to continue what, you know, everybody in the neighborhood's doing. I want to do something with my life. So that's when I had a friend who her father was a police officer and I just thought it was so cool riding in his car and just how he gave back to the streets and every. Everybody knew who he was when he came into the neighborhood, and he was just such somebody to look up to. Connie, how and, old were you in about that time, just to give an idea? Uh, when I was in foster care? No, like in the example that you gave when you saw your friend's dad. Oh, that, that had to have been like kindergarten, first grade. Very second impressionable. Grade. Yeah. Seeing that, and I'm just like, oh, well, that's kind of, that's, you know, because you're a kid, you don't really know what you want to do. For the longest time, I really wanted to do WNBA because basketball was my escape throughout my whole childhood. I played basketball from age, I think I was in from third grade all the way up to my senior year. So it was a big chunk of what I devoted my time to. Looking up to him, and it made me realize getting back from foster care that I am going, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do with my life because I already had good good memories of having a role model of the police officer and just how the, the meaning behind what a police officer he does for the community and keeping everybody safe. And, and it's a great career. And, you know, I like the adrenaline rush as well. Just deciding that's what I wanted to do. That's what I set myself to do. I didn't do too well at the beginning of high school, but then I got my act together. When, once I turned 18, I was just taking ride-alongs uh, left and right, and I graduated, and I was taking criminal justice, and I was just waiting to turn 21 so I can start pursuing that, or at least graduate, join the academy, and be able to be 21 by graduation. So I was just waiting for that time frame. Started working at Subway when I was uh, 14. I wasn't 15 yet, so I was just like two, three weeks shy of like getting a worker's permit, and I like just begged the people in the front office and at uh, school to just give me the paperwork. And they finally did. And um, they're like, I'll give this to you, but you cannot start working. And I was like, sure. Okay. And then started working. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually hired me too. So it was great. So I was just working at Subway. And then after high school, I was like, all right, I need a big girl job while waiting to get into the Academy. So then I left uh, Subway and I went straight to a used car dealer dealership. So I was like, I'm not, I don't want to sell cars. I heard you can work in the back. So I applied to go be a detailer in the back. And that's what I did for the first two years. I started, you know, as a detailer and I really liked it. Um, I was doing that while I was going to school for criminal justice. I was a detailer for the first two years. And for the first two years, what you're about 21 at that point. Is that right? Yep, yep. No, that's correct. Yeah. I was, I was 21 and I was a detailer. I was working right next to the paint guy. So I was just detailing the cars. I was working the line on that side and I was doing inventory, you know, driving cars around the lot, you know, just all the simple, basic detail kid stuff. So then an opportunity came up. I was, I was in inventory and then I had the opportunity to get on the detail side. And then I was the detailer for two years. And then from there, uh, I was trying to transfer over to the paint guys because I was working right next to the paint guys. And I just thought it would be cool just to get over there. I had no clue about anything about paint or anything about body work or just, just nothing. I was clean, clean slate. And I sat there, I tried to get the transfer papers together, but I was just kind of just being left hang, like just hang out the dry. Like they weren't really paying me any attention that I really wanted to go over there. So then uh, I had an opportunity to transfer out to Colorado. And so I was like, you know what? I've never been out there. You know, I, there's really nothing here in Virginia where I was born and raised. I was like, 
you guys are going to pay for it, everything? And they're like, yeah, they need people out there. They're opening up a second shift. And I was like, count me in. So they paid for everything. They paid for the move. I just packed everything up. And then I had, I had my dog and headed out there, just started working out there. And this is a totally relevant question. Absolutely. What kind of dog? (laughs) (laughs) It's not irrelevant. I love my little fluffball. She is a Pomeranian and she's eight years old and she's all black and she's the cutest little thing I love so much. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to provide a pic if you're open to it. For, for oh, a of course. Dog. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. Hey, dogs are family all the way. Of course. Of course. A hundred percent. My son, after we say prayers, will not go to bed without his doggy kisses from our dog. His name's Snowball and he's a Maltese mix and he weighs about eight pounds. And oh, mine's about eight pounds too. He will not go to bed. He he has to get his kisses from Snowball. <laughs> that's perfect. No, that's perfect because I even go home for lunch just so I can take my dog out. Like I'm fortunate enough to live about a cut, co- you know, a couple miles away. So I was like, I'm gonna go and take my lunch because I need a break. It's always good to have a break. You know, don't try to hustle through everything because you will bring yourself out. So it's when you when, just take a break every now and then. So I take that break and I go home and I love my dog and she makes me really sad to go back to work. But, you know, it's a good, it's a good refresher. Like, all right, let me start over. (laughs) Yep. yep. A reset. A reset. It was perfect. You headed out to Colorado. You packed up your bags and got your doggy. So I have went out to Colorado. This beach kid has never been in the mountains before. Uh, I was in for it. I moved out there in 2013 and I moved out there in the middle of January too, <laughs> middle huh. of winter time, and I'd never even been out there before. Parked in the church parking lot because I got there at nighttime, and I woke up and I looked out the window uh, through the excursion, and I'm just like, "Holy crap!" There's a huge mountain right there. It was Pikes Peak because I lived, I moved to Colorado Springs, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I think that's Pikes Peak, but I have no clue. That's you know, awesome. Day. Try to scavenge to find a place because I wasn't expecting extra fees. The place was getting ready to move into. So like the first two days, I was like trying to find a other place while the other place I was going to look into, uh, they were holding it kind kindly. And thankfully, uh, I was able to get the funds to still move into the place I was going to move into. Pretty much start at work the next week. And immediately once I started, I transferred as a detailer. But I was lucky that the, the paint manager, he was from Virginia Beach of where I just moved from. And he just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I told him how I was trying to get into paint. And he was like, really? That's easy. I can get you over here. So the next thing you know, he was able to get me over there. However, there was not a position open yet. There was, but they were willing because I was a, an extra person because they're just trying to get everybody organized for the for the other shift or whatever. And so I just went over there. I went in every single day and just went straight over to the paint, you know, even though I was getting paid as a detailer, but I was still learning everything, the basic stuff and paint. And then once, once the position opened up, they obviously immediately gave it to me. Then they signed me off fairly quickly in the stations that time I was there. You know, I haven't really knew it. So like, all right, sign you off. And then I just continued to move my way up learning the different stations. And then from there, I was kind of like, I, I noticed I was getting to a dead ends because I would ask questions and they're like, I don't know, this is how I was trained. And Let then I read a couple questions, Connie, because because at this point you'd been there for how long doing paint when you kind of hit that dead end? Let me see. Cause I was doing detailing for two years. And then I was, I, I would say about another two years, two years into paint. No, well, I wasn't painting it. I was learning all the, like the masking, the priming, the Got prepping, it. the body work, the PDR. I was learning everything else except for painting. Painting was like one of the, the last things that I had to do. So the first two years was me learning all of that. During that process, I was running into those roadblocks where every time I would ask a question, somebody, you know, they'd be like, I don't know, this is how I was trained. And then I realized everybody in the paint shop came from detail. Nobody had any background history or any experience in the in the body shop. So I was like, huh, okay, I see what they're doing. I was slowly getting into Instagram and I had already had one, but I didn't understand how the hashtag works. I was just there taking selfies of myself. You know, that's just what I <laughs> and <laughs> let me let me ask you a question though, because at this point you've been four years into the industry. 
the automotive industry. <laughs> what kind of experience did you have being a female in the automotive industry? Everyone was like, are, are you sure? Like as a detailer, like, cause I feel like there's a lot of female detailers. It's more, it's a little more common. I mean, I didn't really didn't have anything except for, Oh, that girl's hot. That was really the only issue that I ran into until I got into the paint side and I was actually working, doing body work, pop, you know, pulling dents out, painting, like literally actually working, not saying that detailers don't work, but I mean like getting dirty and everything. And that's when they're like, wait, you really do this? Like, you know, and then I had the other group of people that would say, you don't want to do this. Like they would literally do everything in their power to talk me out of it. It was just something that I really enjoyed because I was able to do something with my hands start to finish. I eventually decided I don't need to be a police officer before Colorado. I was like, I don't need to be a police officer. I can just move up here in this company. You know, I've already moved up from starting at the very bottom. And now I'm like one of the top detail people and I'm making decent money with all the benefits. That's what you get, you know, from working with a corporation. So I was like, I'll put the cop thing on hold and just focus on just what I can do here. Out. Did you run into any problems being a female in the industry or did you not really run into any of those challenges? I was, well, I would say yes. Later on, as I moved out of, uh, the, that used dealer, cause eventually I had, I had left and I started working in other body shops working throughout the industry. And that's when I had, you know, I'd walk in for an interview and then you know, grab my hand. Like you don't and look at my hand, like you don't work on cars. I'm just like, are you, are you kidding me right now? I just feel like I have so many stories. I just They would grab, wait, <laughs> I just want to make sure I see this. So literally in an interview, they would grab your hand and look at it. And well, then Yeah, well, I mean, it. let me let me paint the setting for you. So I walk in and it's just like this little hole in the wall shop. I walk through there. Literally everybody stops what they're doing. They're, they, you, you hear all the drills, the bang and the hammer and then nothing. As I'm walking through the shop, I'm, they're like, yeah, the owner, he's, he's in the back. He's working on the car back there. Wow. Like <laughs> behind behind the shop. What, the back. I have to put, what was that like? I mean, what, uh, what, I just, through, what were you feeling? I, in the I, I kept my head held high. I did not look down one bit. I made eye contact with everybody. I let them know that I was there for business. And I'm not just a piece of meat walking to the shop and they could take it how they want it. I was there on a mission to try to get a job, but immediately, obviously I felt uncomfortable and I was like, I don't see this going very well, but let me, let me finish what I'm here for. And then obviously, you know, then I just, won't call them back. And then, so I walk through the shop and I get through the back, I get outside and he's out there all greased up working on the car and it comes out and he was like, Oh, you were looking for the position, you know, here in the body shop. I'm just like, yeah. He was like, and you paint. I was like, yeah. And he was just like, get out of here. Like, there's no way. Like that's, that's usually the common thing. Like always. And then he, then he sat there and he grabs my hand and he flips it over and he was just like, you don't work on cars. Your hands are too clean. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? I was like, well, sorry. I got yes, the interviews dirty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on. Hey, come on. So I had a guy recently, actually, one of my neighbors, he didn't, uh, he didn't know what I what did for a living. And I forgot to blow myself off. One time I sat there, I went home for lunch to go see my dog. I looked down. I was like, holy crap, I'm really dirty. But then I got out of my truck and I run into my neighbor and he was just all like, oh, you're dirty. And I was like, yeah, I forgot to blow myself off. He was like, what are you doing? Baking a cake or something? Because I was covered in Bondo dust. Baking I was like, a cake. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I was like, oh, wow. man. let me get back in the kitchen. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, no, it's body work. Then he was like, body work? And I was like, yeah, because he has a really nice firebird, you know, that's in like really clean condition. Uh, my boyfriend and I have been eyeballing. Uh, did, my boy he, did you sense that he kind of felt like an ass after that at all? Uh, yes, he did, because he knew he knows what my boyfriend does for a living, because my boyfriend also does paint and body and everything. They always had conversations together, but I never really had a conversation with them. He never really knew what I what I had, you know, what I do for a living. And then so after I told him, he was taken back and he was just like, Oh, really? And then like his whole demeanor changed, you know, towards me. Like I was just like one of the boys, I would say like, but he's, he's an older gentleman and everything. I just recently found out that his wife was the one who bought him the firebird and everything. And so that's cool. That's pretty rad. Just, it's really cool because now I feel like there's not, it's not as awkward, you yeah. know, as before. So now we have something to talk about. <laughs> 
were you? Which we could have been talking about that before, but he just didn't have any interest of really carrying on a conversation with me, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's, and that's super common and people are just always taken back and it's like, yeah, well, that's the reason why you can't judge. You were at, at Colorado. You mm-hmm. were there for about two years. Now, where did you, because eventually you moved from Colorado, right? Well, yeah. So I had a little journey still left in Colorado before I left. I, I started reaching out to people uh, because I was not getting anywhere at the used dealer when I first moved out there with the questions. And so that's when I got to Instagram and I started uh, figuring out how hashtags work. And I would, you know, take pictures of my, of my work because I thought it was cool from start to finish of what I could do. And then I found all these other pages, all these other people that are in the industry. And I was like, holy crap, because honestly, at first I thought I was the only girl because, you know, I'm not familiar with this industry starting out. So I was completely blindsided by girls really doing this, like not saying that they couldn't, but I was just wasn't exposed to it. So I was just like, dude, I have to be like one of the only girls that do this. And I am wrong by that. That's for sure. At the time, you know, I was just all like, I thought I was the only girl, you know, at least I was the only girl over there. And then get on Instagram, I find all these other girls too, which eventually what led to Girls Behind the Gun. We'll, Instagram- we'll, talk, we'll talk about Girls Behind the Gun here in just a moment. What, what was that like getting on there and actually seeing other women? Because this was about four years ago, right? Yeah, four or five. Uh, no, because actually I started finding all these girls back in 2014. That's when I started. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. So about five, about five years. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what was that like? What, what, what was that like? I thought, I thought it was amazing. I just thought, holy crap. Like there's like, there's, there's another girl that does this. And I was like, we should be friends. Oh, we should be friends. Oh, we should, we should be friends. And I was like, we should have this whole girl gang. Like, this is so cool. Like, I just thought it was really awesome because I didn't really connect with a lot of females, like in general, like personally. You and know, I've, it, I find that very common with the women that I've talked to. Exactly. The, the more women that I'm meeting and talking to through this podcast, I don't ask that question, but that a lot of times comes up where they're sharing how hard it is to connect with other women. Yeah, and, it and is. I'm, it and really I'm is. the same boat. Like I shared that with my partner and she's like, you need to work through that stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand why. Like all my best friends were like guys and I just... Why do you think that is, Connie? Why, you know, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just how it's just being exposed to it. And if you're into it and there's something that, you know, I guess girls just adapt to what they're supposed to be into and what they're not supposed to be into. Like, I mean, this is just me personally. Like, I'm not speaking for everybody. Like, but that's just how I see it because I wasn't exposed to it. So I wouldn't be hanging around it. So I'm just trying to do my own thing. So, but then you know, I'm just a very fierce person. So I'm going to go after something. So going, you know, being a police officer is something that I felt like I can be good with hands on, even though I'm like five, two and 110 pounds soaking wet, not weighing anything, but still that's something that I was going to go, go after and fight for it. It's just uh, not saying that other girls don't do that, but I've just, it just, we're just one of a kind. I don't know. And then I feel, but, but I feel like if we just, cause I've had a lot of female friends that I know that that aren't really into it. But once I show them how to do it, they're like, holy crap, I can do this too. And I was like, no, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> so it's really cool. So I don't know. I mean, it's just, we just got to expose these girls. That's why I really look up to bogey because the way she, she goes out out of her way to inform and educate and show women that it's, you know, it's okay to be women and change your tire, mm-hmm. you know? You don't have to depend on somebody to do something for you when you can easily do it yourself. Let me show you how to do it. Yeah. 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 I, I think <laughs> calling bogey out's a perfect example. And she's, she's been out doing that for a while now. And, and so she, she's relatable down to earth. I had an opportunity to meet her at an all girls garage taping that safe flight was featured on. You chat with her, and it's like you've known her for years. She's right? down to earth, and it's just comment on something on her Instagram. She actually responds. We need to do that more as women. And yeah, we got to communicate with one another. Yes, reach out to each other and continue uplifting each other and encouraging yep. each other to get outside of our comfort zones. Exactly. And I, and I think also continuing the journey of understanding our worth in this industry. Yep. 
That is so true. Oh my God. That, that kind of leads me to where after I got into other shops. I was one of the collision shops I was at. I was trying to become, uh, I was hanging out there until going to take over the painting position. Is this and in Colorado still? Yes. Well, I was working at this collision shop and I had left that used dealer. And then I eventually went up to, uh, well, before I left there, I started working part-time so I can learn other things, the real way how to do stuff and get my questions answered. I started working at a restoration shop. So I would get off of work. So I'd work 5 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the used dealer. And then I'd get off work and drive an hour and a half all the way up to Denver from Colorado Springs to go up to this restoration shop. And I did that every day for like nine months. It felt like it was probably like between seven to nine months is how long I was doing that part time. And I'd stay up there. It's about 10 o'clock at night because I'm not going to drive and sit two hours in traffic in Denver traffic. It was downtown Denver too. So I was doing that part-time and eventually I left that used dealer to go full-time at the restoration. Well, I wasn't making anything and I was there for a while for about a year. And then I just couldn't afford to drive up there every day and for what I was making. So then that's when I was looking for a shop closer to me down back in the Springs. And so that's when I went to that collision shop. And so that's where I was at this collision shop for a little bit. And I was trying to become the painter there. And I was just kind of holding out waiting for him to retire the painter. My old boss from Denver wanted me back. And he was like, I need somebody with your, your, your passion, your drive, your determination. I will, I will pay you whatever you need to come back up here full time. And on top of that, he was buying, uh, cause he was a restoration shop. He was buying the collision shop next door. So he was going to make that a high end collision shop. He's like, I want you to run that. And I was like, shut up. Like really? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? I have a good thing going down here for me at the moment. So let me, let me go be transparent with them and I'll get back to you. And so that's exactly what I did. I, pulled the, the owner's son aside because you, I love, I really love the whole family feel there. And I really didn't want to leave. So I pulled him aside. Boss is asking me back. He's willing to pay and this and that. If this painter leaves, will you guys make me the painter? Because that's what they kept telling me the whole time. Like, you're going to take the position. And he was like, you know what, Connie, at the end of the day, the old man make decision, the decisions. And, you know, he's just, he'll just hire somebody else. Just, he doesn't want a girl at the end of the day. You know, he's just super old school. So I was like, okay, you know, it's no worries. You know, here's my two weeks though. So I straight handed my two weeks over and then I went back up to Denver. I got to give kudos to them for being forthright and honest with you rather than kind of stringing you off. Yeah. And, you know, and we still have a good relationship to this day. Respect them. And I really, I really hate that I had, I had to leave, but it was another great opportunity that I had that, that I see that my future was going to be short here and I was just going to be staying as a prepper and I wasn't going to be able to move up because I'd push it. I'd, I would see how far I can get with getting the car prepped out, masked, get the color, walk in there with the paint cup, you know, with full paint and I get inked out. <laughs> you know, the painter would always catch me, but you know, he was verbally, verbally abusive. Like, and he would just, he would be the type of guy if something was messed up because like he got tape stuck to something instead of just carefully taking it off. He just ripped literally everything off. Terrible, like terrible. I'd literally be talking to a wall when I try to have a conversation with him. He would tell me how he would never have his daughter do this type of work. She's going to be a teacher and she'll never do this type of work. I was like, well, she's missing out. <laughs> wow. Hmm. So. So you headed over to that restoration shop in Denver. Yeah. So I went back there and I was super happy there. I was comfortable, started uh, a relationship with my now boyfriend who lives in South Florida. been talking for a while. He's, I've known him. How'd you guys meet? We met through me trying to find, figure out how these hashtags work. We met through Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) How did you meet? I was trying to figure out hashtags. Hashtag Puerto Ricans. <laughs> oh man, yes. Hashtag Puerto Ricans. It's the real refinisher porn. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean we but we known each other as friends first. You know, he was like my go-to when I had questions, you know, and I known him since two thousand what, 13, pretty much, right when I got out to Colorado, like towards the end of the year, though. Well, let's give, let's give his, his thing a shout out here. You mentioned it briefly, but I'm not sure if everyone picked up on yeah, it. Yeah, so he runs of. Refinisher Porn and Refinish Culture. And what's the difference between the two? All, all Refinisher Porn is the page where, you know, he gives the appreciation to all these, you know, phenomenal people in the <laughs> industry, uh, male or female. Finish Culture is just the, the merch merchandise line. Got it. 
met him through there. We were good friends. Both had our own relationships going on at the time. And then when we ended up getting together afterwards, after we, you know, went our separate ways with our previous partners, it's really great to be able to relate to somebody and who understands. I don't have to break down the terminology of anything. And we're there to give each other advice, pick each other up and just support each other. And it's just, it's amazing. It really is. And so I was excited to be in the same state with him. I tried to get him to come out to Colorado, but he did not want to leave the ocean. So I can't blame him because I'm from Virginia Beach. I just wanted to live a little differently. I was never really around palm trees and I like palm trees. So I had to come down here. <laughs> you were in Denver for how long at a restoration shop then? I felt like I was only there for a couple of months <laughs> after. Well, I was there for a while though, approaching another year. Because uh-huh. I'm, I'm approaching on my, my I'm on like my ninth, tenth year of being in the industry now. So I was out there for a little bit because I've been down here for almost two years. Right on. This, so yeah, you this, moved down to Florida from Colorado. Yeah, moved down to South Florida. And I did not have a job lined up. I just had a long list of shops that I was going to stop by. And the craziest and You moved thing, on faith and love. Yes, I did. I did. I Literally, I packed yeah. my Explorer down. And packed it down with my toolbox and whatever clothes that would fit and my dog. And I, you know, Miguel had flew, flew out to come uh, drive with me and he called me back to Florida. Well, not back, called me to Florida. That's awesome. And you guys yeah. have been together for how long now? I would say since 2016. So about three years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, we met, we met at the Salda booth in person for the first time at SEMA <laughs> back in 2016. It keeps coming up in my conversations with you. <laughs> coming up. Oh man, it's great. So when I got down here, uh, right literally like a week before I moved down here, uh, I got an email through Girls Behind the Gun of the shop owner. You know, he already had uh, two females in the shop. One, you know, she did a little bit of paint and body. She was still learning. And then he had an apprentice mechanic, a mechanic girl. So he was reaching out to me because he was looking to hire somebody. So he's like, oh, let me see what getting a lot of good stuff from these girls here. So let me reach out to this person who specifically, you know, targets the girls. Let me see if she can do a post for me. Tell everybody that I'm hiring. You know, I don't care if it's a male or female, but more chances a female might, you know, hook onto it. So just to try something else. Uh, to get the girl's attention that he's hiring. So when he told me his location, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And it was, yes, it was literally the same. uh, It was the next city over. So it's literally like 10, 15 minute drive from uh, where I was moving to and where his shop was. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, I'm getting ready to move down there. And I don't have a job yet. And he was like, oh, really? He was like, well, stop by. He's like, I've been following your work for a little while now. So he's like, feel free to stop by. So out of that like list that I written down, like wrote down with like 10 shops on there, I just ended up stopped by his shop, which is Kitty's Classics. And I was like, this is where I'm going to be. And I didn't even bother to look at any other shops. Wow. So yeah, you've I was, been at Kitty's Classic for how long now then? Uh, August will be two years. August will be two years. Still, yeah. still as happy as can be there. Oh yeah, super happy. I'm so excited where our shop is headed. Like, we got like we're just we're just growing, and I'm just super stoked for us. How many women do you have in that shop now? Oh man, we have. Uh, so I have myself, uh, and then I have a helper. This is her first shop, so she's pretty stoked of you know where she's at. And I tell her all the time that she's at a really great place, and especially that I get to spoil her with any information that I have. Female welder, fabricator, which is Madison, which you also met and did. Uh, and another badass. <laughs> another badass. Uh, she a low key's my best friend. Um, <laughs> uh, not low key. You can tell everybody she's my best friend. And. <laughs> But I don't treat her like my best friend at work. I'm like, pretty like, sure she already called you out as her best friend in our podcast. So you're not hiding, my friend. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to call anybody out because, you know, we work together and I have the manager position. So I want to keep it even across the board. But she is 100%, you know, my best friend. It's great being able to work with other females. And we did have a, uh, when I first got there, 
the other two females, one who was in the body and paint and the other one who was a mechanic. Well, the other girl who was in body paint, she ended up taking an opportunity and moving to Colorado. <laughs> you guys swapped spots. <laughs> we did swap spots. And so she's working at a clothing shop out there and I couldn't be happier for her girl who was uh, the mechanic apprentice. She was with us and we tried everything in our power to keep her to stay, but her boyfriend was in the military and he had moved to Virginia. And so she wanted to be with them. And so she had took everything up. She was, That's crazy. That's where you were from. I know. Right. <laughs> That's insane. Um, they actually just came back today for a week and she brought her Jeep, her little project Jeep. Um, not sure exactly what it is, but it's one of those old pickup uh, uh-huh. trucks helping her before with it when it came to the paint and the spraying and everything. Mm-hmm. And she, um, uh, she just brought it down so she can work on it while she's here, uh, you know, in town and everything, which I think is, is great, which I'm also trying to get her to stay because I heard that she had went, but when she went to Virginia, she was trying to get a job and she was finding a hard time. Nobody was hiring her, even though my boss had had everything set up for her at this restoration shop up there. Like they just never called her back. And so uh-huh. she ended up going back to, grimy. she ended up going back to a, a restaurant where she worked previously to the shop and just until she can find something, but she ended up landing a job being a prepper in a collision shop. And so she was just doing that while she was able to take her, you know, her um, ASCs and everything for mechanical. So she has, you know, something more on her plate right. so she can prove to somebody. So, cause she wants to be a mechanic. Like she is a mechanic. That's but so I common guess, for women too. Yeah. Where they have the hardest time finding a job in the automotive industry or if they get it, they get kind of like these punk jobs. Yeah, exactly. Like oil and you, changes and but tire rotations. See, but you got to own it. You just got to own it and take advantage of it and master it and just show, you know, prove them wrong with the, let your work speak for itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't preach that to enough to people. She just told me today, cause she just came back in town today that she landed a job at a restoration shop. But she's like, I just want to let you know that I have a better understanding when it comes to paint and body and I appreciate everything that you do. And I just don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine in, yeah. educate me a little bit here, Connie, because I've never done that. I imagine I don't know for certain that it's very detail oriented for the paint and body. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, because we're we're a full blown shop. We, you know, we got the sandblasting. We, we blast it down, get it in well the primer do uh any metal work that we need to do you know blast it again get in an epoxy and build up from there that's all part of prepping essentially it's the different steps that you know that you take Mm -hmm. to to restore a car and everything so um, restoration is completely a different ball game from collision how so i mean we don't really we don't work with insurance you know we don't work with stuff that is smashed in. I mean, we get panels that are rusted out and we got to completely replace the whole thing. And that's where, you know, Madison is shines light. And she makes my job a hell of a lot easier because she'll take something and do the metal work. Great. Her and our boss, our owner, Sean, Sean Kitty, who's an amazing fabricator. And he's showing, I can't wait to see Madison in like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, she's going to be phenomenal. And I'm going to be her biggest freaking cheerleader ever. She makes my life easier. Well, they, they make my life easier because they take the metal and make it to where it's almost perfect. Then I'm getting it and I'm just slapping a little bit of filler on there. Then we're rolling it in the paint booth. You know what I mean? And it's, it's great. So every restoration is going to have filler on it. I don't It's insane for somebody to say that it's not going to have filler on it. Can't get the metal hundred percent perfect. It's just almost impossible, but you know, I'm not a metal person, so I can't really speak for that side, but that is something that I would love to venture, you know, on my downtime. That's why I can't wait for Bogey's next build for the Volvo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, because Madison and I both went out there, but at separate times, and we didn't even know each other at the time. And it was just so The small. last build? The one that they released? Yeah, the, the Chevy Montage. It's just yeah. crazy how small community and the women in the industry actually really is. Because here we are, we were living in the same state. We went to... <laughs> We're in the same industry, essentially, even though she was industrial at first, but we were in the same industry, same town, we flew out to the same state for the same build. And it was just, we didn't even know who we were, like each other were. So it was just crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing just kind of blows me away. It's, you, you think it's a, it's a big world. Yeah. And when you find your place that you know is home, 
in that community that you know is home, it, it just, it shrinks everything in such yeah. a beautiful artistic way. It's so great. So, so now we're going to, we're going to try to plan this, these trips out when we go out to help bogey. We don't really have downtime in the shop because there's so much work that needs to be done. So when we're done with our day, we're, you know, it's either we're staying late to like still work on what we're doing to get ahead for the next day, or we're working on our own vehicles really fast. And mm-hmm. we want to take advantage of the downtime. So we're both going to fly out there. Like, so we'll fly out there in the beginning of the build and I'll, shadow medicine she's going to show me some some cool metal work stuff and i get to see them work on the build and then later on in the build when it's more towards the paint body blocking painting or whatever the you know more just more on the paint body side then we're going to fly out again and then she's going to be shadowing me and so it's oh it's, that's it's, cool it's going to be super fun you yeah. ladies are going to have to let me know because i am i pinged uh bogey on her new instagram page and just shared it to uh, I think you did as well. Yes. And I just said, let me know how I can help. Of course. Now, I'm a hobbyist. I don't do it for a career. 100% hobbyist. But she's like, yeah. come out and help us build it. I'm like, exactly. Hell yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But let me get some footage and promote this more too. Let's oh, spread the so word. Exciting. So get, exciting. Get like audio and podcasts set up for women to yeah. share their story. I mean, and there's going to be I think it's going to be a two year build. So it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about girls behind the gun because it it is massive, Connie. I mean, it is, (laughs) it it is four years old and it's just exploded. Yeah, it is four years old now, isn't it? Back in 2015 is when I started it. It's crazy. Yeah. No girls behind the gun. It's really it's, it's something that we've all done together. I mean, it's, it's not about me. I don't want to take credit for anything because I was just, I'm so inspired. Cause like I said, in the beginning, I thought that I was one of the only girls, which is a stupid thought to have. Just, I'm not, not trying to be like conceited or anything like that. It was just like, cause I was, wasn't, I wasn't exposed to it. Seeing all these girls and going through rabbit holes of finding more and more girls throughout the industry, not just in paint and body, but welding in the industry, like industrial. It's, it's crazy how many women are out there in the trades. And I just got, I get so inspired by that. Like I go out of my way to find all these girls. Like I, not a creep, but I'm going to, I'm going to creep on you because I think it's amazing what you're doing. And I think, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're posting it for a reason. You're posting it because, you know, you're proud, you enjoy, of, it. You're proud of it. You enjoy what you do. So I want to help that and I want to share that and I want you know I want to help you know widen widen somebody else's perspective because everyone doesn't see women in the industry so one step at a time you know it it takes somebody to do something to help normalize when we're old you know and get ready to, to tap out on life it's it's a common thing to see in female in the industry there's a place for everybody there really is it's at the end of the day it's just what you want to do and so Girls Behind a Gun is just a great platform for one another to reach out. How and did you start it, Connie? I mean, you said you started right. off with yourself. and you. Well, there was a, uh, well, when Miguel had posted me, uh, I seen the hashtag Girls Behind a Gun. And so I'm not going to take credit for actually making the hashtag. There was like one person that had it, but it was just, it was just a hashtag, just like how people make hashtags. And so like, for sure, I do not want to take the credit for that, but I wanted to make something of it. And because there was, it was, that's all it was, was just a hashtag. I took it and I was like, this is, I, this is us girls, like as a community, like as, as one. And so it's, it's a strong statement. People think that it's a firearm, or then you tell them that it's a paint gun and you paint cars. They're like, holy crap, wait, what, what do you do? And then, so when they start to talk about girls behind a gun, they are literally just talking about themselves and they're not talking about a brand, talking about what they do as a career. And it's just, I had, so I had to take that and run with it, help the girls out for getting the exposure that they deserve. How many followers do you have now? I think we're at like 34, 34.7,000. So we're Knocking creeping up the there. 35,000. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited because we get to do uh, little fun giveaways every now and then. Do you get sponsors that give you stuff to give away? Not necessarily. I mean, unless I'm doing a giveaway and they're like, hey, we, we would like to throw this in there. 
I'll take it. You know, I'll take whatever in for a giveaway to help motivate and promote other people in the industry. Just, just to just engage with people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's great. It, it really is great. I'm not sponsored by anybody. You know, it's, it's a company just by itself. We're, we're nonprofit. Everything that uh, any money that's being made goes right back into the company. So we can have some more cool designs because designs are not cheap whatsoever. When you and say neither designs, are. what do you mean by design? So we, because we have like, we just make up cool little designs. Like we have a flower cup. Uh, well, I mean, we have a paint gun inside the, the paint cup is flowers. And we have a goddess behind a gun. We just came out with this new pinup pin up design with a girl, pinup girl sitting on top of a spray gun. And, you know, we have a lot more exciting designs getting ready to come out. That's not just paint gun related stuff. So nice. I'm, I'm excited for future designs. So that's what, you know, that's what everything goes into. And Do the listeners get an inside, inside scoop at all? Maybe just the tool of every aspect of the industry. Oh. Uh. Maybe. I mean, it's just fun. You know, it's something that girls can rep a brand for themselves. You designed your own gun too, in partnership with Sada, right? Oh yeah. That was, that was super fun. That was a contest back in 2016. Uh, It's just Sada does this contest where you can, it's a design contest. You can have the next production gun, uh, limited edition design on their spray gun. And so I entered it and I thought it was really cool. I had this awesome idea and I went to my uh, graphic designer. I was like, Bryson, he's from Shark Face Apparel. And I was like, you need to help me out. Like, I have this amazing idea. I need you to take my ideas out of my head, like you always do, and put them on this computer screen, like you always do. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, no problem. So I always have like a list of details of everything because I always, because I I like tattoos. So I know how to be super detailed of to give the artists different ideas and references so they can brainstorm off of those ideas and pretty much take what I have to bring to life. He, he did. And he threw a little extra little details in there. I'm like, Holy crap, this is amazing. And so next I, level. yeah, <laughs> next level. And then I submitted it in and I was like, Oh, it's probably cause it's, it's worldwide competition. So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to hear anything back. And the next thing you know, I get in the top 10 and I come in second place. I was like, holy crap. And there's wow. only two, two people out of the United States that got in the top 10. That's unbelievable. Can and you share so, pictures of your design? You can email yeah. it over to me and then I'll put it on the blog. For sure. Yeah. It's the Sailor Lady um, for the Sada 5000. Super, super awesome. It's just, it's a, it's a pinup Sailor Girl. Uh, it's like a Sailor Jerry type style. And it really inspired because my dad was in the military. He was in the Navy and everything. And I love pinup and I love the traditional style tattoo. Pinup is so it. cool. There's something I love it. so classy about it to me. Yes. Especially, I don't know if you heard of Letty. She's out in Phoenix. She's a welder. She's worked on Bogey's Build as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's an amazing pinup girl. Oh, I just love her. She's so, so cute. Perfect. She's in the wrong generation. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Connie, I think we're going to launch into the red line round. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. There is no right or wrong answer to this. It's whatever pops into your head first. That's what you go with. Oh, no. Okay. You ready? Sure. <laughs> Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? I would have to say my boyfriend, he's so passionate about everything that he does in the industry um, and the way he gives back to people, the way he runs Refinish Culture and Refinisher Porn. Um, so him every day all th- throughout our journey together, he's always going to be an inspiration to me in and out of the shop. And then also I would have to say Madison is also an inspiration to me as well, being able to work with somebody side by side and seeing her through her little struggles, but it just it inspires me to want to, you know, help do more with people that are in her position, you know, and obviously help her too. But she didn't, she didn't in return helps me. And she doesn't realize that she thinks that, you know, I'm a little bit further than her, but it's like, no, sweetheart, you, you know, you inspire me. And then all the girls in general in the industry inspire me to continue to work hard. So well said. Number two, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck on a job? I would say my boyfriend is a good tool that I keep in my toolbox. I always uh, go to him to see if he has, I just want to see if he has ever ran into this issue. Like I try to brainstorm my first because I try to make problem solving fun. 
because everyone always stresses out over it. So I just, I try to make that like one of my, uh, my virtues where I like it and everything. And if I, whatever I'm doing, it's just, I'm going down every path. And I'm still hitting a roadblock. I usually just hit him up like, Hey, well, I go to my boss first since he's physically there. And usually sometimes he has good guidance. Sometimes he's like, I don't know, you're supposed to know the paint. I'm like, okay, you're right. So then, you know, then I go to my boyfriend and he's the, my number one tool. And if he can't, you know, help me out, then I'm just going to hit up one of the reps, one of the, the technical guys and be like, help me out. But then once I run into the issue and I, we get it solved and we get it figured out, I'm immediately telling everybody I know, because I don't like to hoarder ideas. Like if, if I find something and it works, I'm going to be telling everybody because it works. Don't, you don't have to struggle Where do through you it. Where share that information? Uh, well, I don't, it's usually just people that I just come in conversation with. I feel like I should post more about things that like issues that I have, but it's really just through talk and with just people I come across. Connie, I, I've watched people interact with you at the WIND conference and they listen. They respect you. They listen. I hope that one of your takeaways here is to figure out a way to further spread that information because you're such a wonderful teacher. The, the way you break it down for people, you break it down in such a way that no one feels inferior or stupid I, I hope you can figure out a good medium and forum to share that with a larger group other than who you who you come in contact through through conversation because people would love the opportunity to learn from you. I do appreciate that. I really do. I mean, that's something that I'll definitely keep in mind. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just feel like I'm still trying to master it myself. Like I'm trying to like figure everything out. And then I then I feel like I'll have the confidence to like go out there and show everybody, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you're right. And I should just really just, just jump into it. Like there's really nothing holding me back. I'm sharing this from, from a kind, uh, loving place. I think you're wrong. (laughs) I think you do know, and you know a lot. The industry is ready for your information and they're listening. And if Instagram is is not an example of the people that are interested in what you have to say. I don't know what message you need. <laughs> they want to see. And I've, I've been following Girls Behind the Gun for a while now. And the pictures are great. But now it's time to go next level and really catapult. Help, help give those knowledge nuggets to other women to build their confidence. Inspiration is part of it. And Girls Behind the Gun really inspire and create a community. Now it's about giving them those knowledge nuggets to take their confidence to the next level. I, I, I agree. I can't agree more. And that's something that Madison and I also have been talking about what we want to do locally. Welding's another good one for you guys to partner. Oh, wow. You, that, <laughs> that's your product right there. That's your retirement oh. fund. She said that we need to go around and do conferences together and tag team stuff. And I was like, whoa, whoa slow down. She's like, no, I'm pumped up. No, it's the same way when we, we, we said we want to, um, you know, do classes, go, go to the high schools and maybe talk to people. And she's like, yeah, maybe we can get the auditorium. I was like, I was just thinking maybe a classroom. <laughs> Baby stepsister. <laughs> She's like, no, we can do this. I'm I love like, that she's thinking big. That's what I'm talking about. It's shoot awesome. For the, shoot for the sun. You got to. And you still get a lot further. You got to. You got to get right. out of your comfort zone. So number three, what excites you most about what you do? Um, seeing the finished product. I really like how it comes in and the, the, the shape that it's in, whether it's rusty damage like just the damage and the shape that it's in and then the progress of what we do and the time the hours the sweat the tears the blood everything that you, that you put into it and then seeing the finished product and we're like we did this not me we because i stress to our team like enough that it's not just eyes like i we cannot do this alone like we need each other you know to make this happen and it's like look what we just did guys like that is freaking cool that's, that's and a great so that's, call that's out, Connie. You know, a restoration shop is a team. It literally is. And, it's and, and a team anything you do is a, it really, like, uh, it so is. Like, and if you, if there's bad juju, if there's a bad vibe, it's a good shop, you're putting it. You, yeah, you'll, you'll see it 
in your work. You'll see it in the work because somebody, you know, it's just, you got to have good communication. You got to have a strong foundation when it comes to the team because the team takes you to success. It really does. I agree. And I'm just thinking about the community. You and I have similar aspirations around just building the community in the automotive industry and opening up, really opening it up for women. That's a team sport as well. There's no one person that's going to really blow open the doors for taking it to the next level of bringing women into the automotive industry. It's, it's a team sport. Yeah, that's for sure. Number four, what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? Well, one, I like to turn on the reggae music because that definitely brings my, uh, my mood back up to spirits. Just turn on, just crank favorite, it up. Favorite group. <laughs> Who is it? Hyrie. Hyrie, oh. they're my favorite, and I'm getting ready to go see them this weekend. I'm going to drag Madison out. We're going to go see Slightly Stupid Tribal Season Hyrie, and I'm super excited. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, you know, that, that helps. And then just also, like, I... I find I, I recently just found this out that talking with Madison, you know, after hours when we're still at the shop and we're just talking about the day and everything. So hype up when we're venting and everything. And then we start to talk each other down. And so now we're, now we're cool. And now, so now when we're going home, we're not like, we're not all amped up talking to our, you know, our significant others, you know, about the day. We're already, we're already calm, cool and collected. And we're able to talk to them about the situation. We're like pretty much, Madison's my spouse. I don't know what else to say. Like <laughs> we talk each other down. We talk each other down before we get to our spouse. <laughs> Your work wife. <laughs> She's my work wife, pretty much. <laughs> I got it. It's so good. The final question is: What is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades? What I have to say is that if you don't like your position in life, you can control that. You can make the change. The choice is yours. You can break the cycle. You can, you can go after what you want. You are in the driver's seat. You got to take the initiative and just make sure that throughout your journey, you're just, you show the gratitude along the way. Just, just love what you do. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. Gratitude that pops up so much. Yeah. It's all about the gratitude. A lot of people yeah. talk about having a gratitude journal as well and how therapeutic yeah. that is. Yeah. And you really, if you want to move forward in your career, you do have to take the initiative. Like you have to, you have to go in. If you're stuck at being prepper or being an apprentice, you, you just got to own it. You got to master it. Like you, it's like juggling. Like you can't, you can juggle two things at a time, but once you get the third, you get the third one in there and you're really trying to juggle, you start to mess up. So just master one thing at a time, own it. And then being able to like run into an issue and solve it and teach somebody else. And then you move on to the next thing and then you master that. Don't worry about hitting those roadblocks because that's what's going to make you grow. Love it. Connie, <laughs> where and how can people connect with you? They can go on Instagram and they can follow Girls Behind the Gun to go see all these phenomenal women. If you want to see me, my personal page, it's Passionate Inc. on Instagram. And then on Facebook, Girls Behind the Gun is also on Facebook. And then my personal on Facebook is my Greek name, which is Questandina. I'll, I'll write down how to spell that to you. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to have to email me that one, and I'll put it in the summary. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's Clasadina Mangiavinos, but I have in there Connie, so you still might be able to type in Connie Mangiavinos, and it should be able to pop up. But, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Or if you're down in South Florida, you can come stop by Kitty's Classics in Jensen Beach and come say hi to Madison and myself, even my helper, like Whitney. Like, we can you can just come hang out with us, and we can go to the beach. Connie, I may take you up on that offer. I think Madison and I may go racing. And my partner already told me there's no way in hell she's riding with me. She'll do the video and post the video for me, but she's not riding with me. But I'll tell you one thing I would love to do. That would be awesome. Uh, if you guys are up for it, I would love to come down early, maybe on a Friday, and just shadow you guys for a day and see what you guys do. Yes, and I really hope that you're able to come back down to Orlando for the women in automotive at the end of June. Yes, me as well. Um, I am 
I'm going to give a shout out to Safe Light Auto Glass right now because they're actually uh, opening the door for me to do a proposal on how we can, how Safe Light Auto Glass can be an industry leader in bringing women into the automotive industry. And that presentation happens this week. So, oh, you know that's exciting. Fingers crossed for you. Yeah, very you, exciting. You'll, you'll, knock, you'll knock it out of the park. There, there should be any question at all for them to say no. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to be a, uh, uh, an ambassador for Safe Light and women in the automotive industry. Well, that'd be awesome. You're you're definitely the right person for it. That's for sure. Thanks, Connie. And thank you so much for taking some time out of your evening. I know you're crazy busy getting in the driver's seat and having a conversation with me in the Femcanic community. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I've been stuck in this closet for a little bit, but it's, it's <laughs> all good. In closet. <laughs> <laughs> I am, but it's okay. I'm getting ready to get ready to come out of the closet, so it's all good. <laughs> I will never go back in the closet. I spent like 23 years there. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's perfect. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, and ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. <laughs> all right, Jamie, thank you so much for wanting to talk to me. Absolutely, my pleasure. And my name is Connie Mangiavinos. I'm owner of Girls Behind a Gun, and I am a femcanic. Be sure to tune in to the next episode where Karen and Lynn from Shift Up Now dive into the details of how to get into racing. Guess what? All you need is a t-shirt, jeans, and closed toe shoes. You can experience racing in a minivan. I know, you heard me say it. Maybe not as fun, but you get the point. Keep wrenching, keep painting, keep welding, riding, and racing. You may not see her, but that little girl is watching from a distance, and you're her hero. You're her inspiration. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?